and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With winter's arrival and dark evenings in good supply, this is the perfect time to gain your favourite gardening podcast fix. To help you through the spring, Saul and myself will keep you entertained and informed with podcasts on wide-ranging topics such as winter pruning, propagation and planting. Plus, we'll provide regular updates on important industry developments, along with lively discussions on all manner of horticultural topics. We'll aim to bring you two short 20-minute episodes a week, along with a longer bonus interview with a key green-fingered peer every month. As ever, if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like to hear, please just tap us up on our respective Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. We'd be delighted if you'd join us on this journey as we step inside the busy and exciting world of the modern Head Gardener. Hello, Lucy. It's It's been a bit of a up and down week. Well, more downs than anything. The, the weather's oh, been... No. S- well, there's the weather. And, and that's what always affects us in our gardens it's isn't it January, really the so, well it's now february isn't it i was it? gonna oh. say you're, you're you're running a month behind but um i know <laughs> welcome to my world <laughs> welcome yeah, exactly but it's been spring one day and then winter the next we've had a we had a beautiful wednesday this week and i must say i got on with lots of work the other days it has been bucketing down and the weather forecast for the future is that we're going to go back into deep winter <laughs> i wish it'd make up its mind oh, it might snow i mean i know in Devon, I don't mean to break this to you too harshly, but mm. you, you can just get used to the wet, all right? Okay. Okay. In Essex, yeah, we've had, we, to be fair, our ground is so saturated at the moment, it's really, really difficult to get onto. I did have a little gripe today because a delivery driver's been up in our main driveway at the hall, done a U turn in the most um, rather aggressive manner, dug themselves about a two oh, inch deep. <laughs> <laughs> big mess in the in the in the grass and and then they've disappeared up it's like they're hit and run it's awful so please if you're listening anyone don't drive on on the grass of estates and then turn it all up because it is a little bit irksome we have to we have to go and repair that kind of thing um but we in in essex we are might we might have another i won't say a beast from these because i don't really want one of those that big but we've got an easterly coming in so you know normally if, if you get the rain it's coming from the west it's nice and mild we have actually got an easterly cold front coming in on sunday it looks like it might snow all day so i feel your pain but actually i'm quite excited because i <laughs> i'm a skier and i love i've got my salad pets ready they've been in the loft for too many years now i want to get them out and i want to go and do some snow angels thank you very much what you should do attach a rope to the back of your tractor yeah. and then you I'm can there. go and do like water skiing <laughs> on the snow you could do all the fancy tricks do you know my my one of my childhood memories is my dad doing that with me and my brother and my dad on his Izeki tra- tractor and they had these wonderful big plastic sheets that all the lettuce transplants would go on they're about like one and a half by three meters long and he'd bomb it around the fields and we'd be doing these parallel slides in the snow holding on for dear life but having hysterics it was the most amazing Obviously, very uh, non-health and safety. I don't recommend anyone does this now, but it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. Can I still remember it now? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping you'll get enough snow to have a bit of fun. At least at least ski down your street that would be towards, the, towards your new allotment. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Potatoes behind you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, you know, talking about the bad weather, although it restricts our gardening activity there is one activity that i think a lot of people can get on with mm. in the the bad weather and it's something that gardeners are going to be doing up and down the uk very soon 
uh, as the the season rolls on. And that is, we're going to start sowing our precious seeds. Oh, we're going to start moment. the magic. What a moment! Like you say, it is. It is starting the magic, isn't it? Because it's such a it's such a uplifting. I know it's all cliche, but it is. It's uplifting to propagate stuff. That's it. You know, you start the stuff mm. off. You see it emerge and germinate. It makes you feel fantastic. So there you go. I'm not going to make any excuses for it. That's how I feel. It has been a few months, really, where we haven't really dealt with plants that much in terms of, you know, getting things started yeah. and, and planting things out. So I, I agree with you. Starting to sow a few seeds here and there does make you feel like, you know, the season's starting. Mm-hmm. It's an uplifting experience, isn't it, in some it ways? Is. It is very much. I, um, I put a tweet out um, this afternoon and my project this afternoon, because it was tipping it down in Essex this afternoon. Not this morning, it was lovely and sunny this morning, but uh, a day of two halves. And I went through all my veg seeds that I'd collected. Um, I've ordered some new this year and I've also got obviously stacks of stuff from years gone by. And I've now put it into the stuff I'm going to sow this year for 2021 season. I've put it all separately into a big... Uh, wine box that's what I use it's a lovely uh, probably I got it from the hall probably had some very nice uh, a nice red in there at one point now it's got all my veggie seeds in there and um, that was just a lovely I've got these little monthly dividers so I'm going to go through and put and now put in um, when I'm going to sow the uh, each individual uh, crop and it starts in February works through till October so that's my next my next little session I'm sure that corresponds to some kind of list (sighs) There may be lists. Yes, there's there's <laughs> there's no spreadsheet, but you could easily transfer it into a spreadsheet should you wish. But I do like to write down what I'm going to grow each year. I like to plan it in my head, and oh, and then I write nice. it down on a piece of paper. I do like the idea of dividing the seeds up. I I've um, got an old biscuit tin. Uh, quite a nice decorated one and that actually sits in my fridge do you do you stick your seeds in the fridge or somewhere cold just to keep them well i'm not too fussed if i was having lots of um i think if i was having lots of ornamentals and really fancy stuff uh i probably would as you say keep it in a in the fridge although do you know what i always find that it's impractical in a domestic setting, isn't it? I think That's if true. You've got like a big, big public garden or something like that, or you know, you've, and you've you've got a an office with a, a seed um, uh, a department in it, like they had at Wisley. They would obviously have old fridges and things, and they'd store their seeds in it. But I've never really got around to doing that at at home. And at the hall, we don't have those facilities. So okay, yeah, no, I keep no, I don't. <laughs> I do keep it in the fridge, but I don't keep it in the fridge at home here. My partner would kill me. Um, <laughs> no, we've got a fridge at, at, at work. And, and actually, oh, that yeah. should Lovely. well, that should be the staff fridge for their milk and all the kinds of stuff. But it's actually filled with seeds, peonies. I think also... I've You've hijacked put, it. Yeah, I put all the old spring onions from last year in there, ready to be used up as well. So, um, nice. oh, well, they'll have to get their teeth from somewhere else. Um, exactly. There's always UHT. So, have you... I, I know... <laughs> <laughs> did you just get that took a second to click in i did sorry yes <laughs> <laughs> traditionally february is sort of the start of sowing seeds now i know that you've probably sown a few already i know that you like to sow a few early salads and things but yeah, what are the kinds yeah. of things that you will be starting off now well so the in january i do sow, sow some chili peppers and also i do sow my sweet peppers then because i don't I haven't yet grown the grafted plants. I'm hoping to trial some this year. Yeah. But I find if I'm growing sweet peppers from seed as well, I do start them off early because they, te- they tend to need a long growing season to get to really 
crop well. If I liked aubergines, I'd probably be sowing aubergines now, but I'm actually not a massive fan. Yeah, no, I've sown my aubergines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I will, in, in early February, what I would be looking to sow in the next couple of weeks um, without fail would be things such as celery, celeriac, uh, and then things like quick-growing hardy salads. So there's loads of stuff when you start looking at that. You've got things like landcress, mizuna, komatsuna, rocket, um, obviously, you know, lettuces, the hardier types of lettuce. There's loads. I mean, I've got some annual spinach actually that I sowed way back in December. It's now in plugs and I'm hoping to winkle that into my greenhouse border as a really early crop. Um, so there are quite a lot of things that can be started off now. I think the main month for sowing for especially especially um, people who haven't got uh, the facilities that we have, such as the big heated propagators, maybe delay sowing until March. But I do think in February there is a lot that you can you can get a head start with. And I think what I've been doing in the last um, last couple of weeks, actually, and maybe even more than that, is be getting some the equipment ready for my propagation area. I think actually getting your propagation area set up is fundamental. That, to me, is the most important thing, more important, really, than the seeds that you buy, because there's no point sowing seeds into an area where, say, the light levels are too low or the temperature's too low or the propagator isn't, hasn't got the capacity that you you need. So to me, actually, I think the propagation area is... So I'd like to talk about that a little bit because I think that that's maybe overlooked or people don't give it the consideration it's, it demands because, as I say, if you're, that's, it's fundamental to have a really good setup. So. It's it's also worth being organised, isn't it? I, yeah. This is maybe not so true for the small uh, grower who has a few seeds here and there, but for you and me, yeah. um, I know I can end up with mm, plus 100 uh, modules on the go, oh, uh, especially yeah. towards yeah. the end of May uh, before most things get planted out. Mm. And making sure that the area is organized that you can bring seeds into certain areas of the greenhouse or into your cold frames because the one thing you will learn if you have a, a greenhouse or a, a large space is that there are different areas where the conditions are yeah. different like more sun to the front less sun to the back if it's near a vent it'll be the temperatures will be a little bit more even in some areas there's hot spots so getting to know that's important but just being just being organized because as soon as things start growing and you've got a hundred broad beans going and the sweet pea, you've got three sets of sweet peas all spaced out. And, and you know, that's just two seeds. You, you can have about 20 varieties or something on the go. Mm. If suddenly pots start getting moved about to different locations without you knowing where things are going, it only takes a day or two and it's chaos. Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, then what, what I, what my brain goes to when it's it's propagation time and February for me is definitely heralding the start of it really really ramping up I want to think about my compost I want to make sure that my greenhouse is clean yeah I want to make sure that I've got a variety of shallow saucer like pots I've got some modules I've got some some larger pots I've got um the the water resources already so what I what I do with my propagation area like you say you've got zones you've got the for example, you've got the glasshouse itself, if we're talking about glasshouse propagation. Then you've got the um, the area where you want to sort of be growing on your seedlings. Because if, you, if you're starting early sowings, like these hardy salads, you still need to grow them on somewhere that's relatively warm. So maybe we're talking about 15, 18 degrees centigrade, something like that. 
Um, and then you've got, as I say, the greenhouse itself that doesn't need to be heated. So maybe that drops down to maybe three, four degrees. So that's a really cold growing on area. And then you've got your propagator, which can be anything from 18 through to 25 degrees. So you've got these, in my mind, these three different growing zones. So the propagators for the germination, the middle area, which is like I say, sort of 12, 15, 18 degrees, that's your growing on seedlings. And then you get to that larger area where all the greenhouse staging is, that's for more hardening off and just acclimatizing plants to life outdoors. Um, and the, the mid zone, I always create that by using bubble wrap. I get, I just get that pegged up. Um, so again, that's why I want my greenhouse nice and clean to break any pest and disease life cycles. Get that all sterilized, swept down, all the cobwebs out of the way, just again to refresh the garden cycle. Yeah, bubble wrap up, and then I'm I'm set. My setup at home is a bit different from at work. I I found that it's really worth having where you sow and you put, you know, where you actually do the work of uh, filling the modules with compost, putting mm. your compost mix together, to put that quite separate from the area where you're you're growing things. Yeah, you've got a shed, haven't you? I've got yeah. a lovely potting shed right Lo- next yeah. to the greenhouse. Yeah, very jealous. Yeah, it really works well because I do find that if you try and do everything in one area, again, it, it can turn Celtic, but mm. also it tends you tend to find the potting shed gets quite messy. Whereas you want to keep the greenhouse or the growing on area reasonably sterile and, mm. and reasonably just there for the actual growing on. It reduces pests and disease for one thing, but it also just keeps things organised and, and looking clean. So I, I like to find, I like to sort of separate those two activities. Yeah, that's lovely. Like I said that you can do that is, is, is great. At the hall, we have a big greenhouse against the south facing wall of the wall kitchen garden. We have two um sort of sub greenhouses as well that are much smaller but the the big one is what i use for my main propagating area and within that there are four massive propagators that have got heating cables running through them they're about eight meters by two meters combined and then within i've also got the greenhouse staging which is probably a meter wide and runs the whole length of the greenhouse and maybe 15 meters long and then i've got some at the back wall and the back wall again holds more heat so i know that that zone is slightly different but we do actually do our our sort of filling the modules and and we store the compost actually in the greenhouse we haven't got the we haven't got a separate potting shed um uh, which i'm so i'm envious of you that that's <laughs> i could say i've seen it i've seen it and uh I, I'd, I'd love one of those. Imagine the radio in there, cup of tea on the go. Exactly. Maybe a packet of um, Jacob's Crunch Creams. Well. <laughs> no? What would you no, go for? What's your biscuit? Ho- ch- chocolate hobnobs. Oh, don't tell me hobnobs. Oh, don't hobnobs. Tell me. Oh, no, oh hobnobs. you and my husband are so alike. So, sorry, <laughs> it, we, won't have a, we won't have this podcast all about biscuits. <laughs> we, we, will do. Do, we will do a podcast on biscuits. Anyway, okay. um, the, <laughs> I, I think the interesting thing is that whatever your setup is, because I, I know we... we talk generally about our large estates and we've got these you know ultra fancy Mm. greenhouses but it translates to the smaller scale as well so if you want to use your window sills in the one great thing about having a house is that in general or in most houses not all you have a window sill on each side of the house and you'll Mm. find that there's actually different climatic conditions whether it's the south facing to a north facing which you can actually use to your Mm. advantage i.e. germinating on a south-facing window so where it's warmer, but then moving those seedlings to a north-facing or, or an east-facing to harden them off slightly. It, mm. It's also worth remembering that anything next to a window, and actually this goes for all kinds of plants, and I actually do 
tell people about houseplants is that next to a window you'll be surprised at how much the temperatures will absolutely plummet at night uh, especially if you've got your curtains closed that gap yeah. between the curtains and the windows can get very cold it can almost resemble outside temperatures so it's worth keeping that in mind you know you could bubble wrap the lower bit of your window where the seedlings are just to mm. maybe keep it a bit a uh, bit more thermal mass there uh, to yeah. keep things warm but you can translate the things that we do in the greenhouse easily to to windowsills oh definitely and as you say a domestic house is going to be maybe anything between 15 to 18 degrees centigrade so that's your mid-grown zone they're mm. all sorted there's no bubble wrap required apart from maybe against the window i have the the faff of um but i do find this works i always make sure that i store three or four watering cans full of water in the greenhouse in that kind of mid zone because i want you 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 should never really water seedlings with no ice cold water which can which and water from a a water butt can easily be ice cold this time of year so i always make sure they stand at least overnight in this mid zone before i then water anything um but in the house you haven't got to worry about that because it is a bit of a faff so that's absolutely fine one thing that can be tricky i've found I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've, been, I've lived in a studio flat in a little tiny terraced house, and then, um, you know, I've, I've experienced when you're trying to cram so many things onto every single, you know, growing space you possibly can. I do find that the, you know, if you've got limited light levels, that can be quite difficult to manage in an indoor setting especially with with any house it's going to be mostly one directional light unless you've got lovely bay windows or a porch or conservatory you're going to find the light is one directional and regardless of i've found the the strength of light even if it's a south window as opposed to a north window you do always get that what we call the etiolation the legginess of the seedlings but there's things you can do to minimize that even the most rustic kind of like um, setup of having aluminium foil along the back of your propagator. Mm. Or I think Jeff Hamilton said about painting it white or using white polystyrene because that insulates as well. All those sorts of things, they do actually work. I have tried them and it does. I'm not saying it completely eradicates any need for um, trying to manage the, the legginess, but it does make a difference. And now actually people are so lucky because there's so many folk now living in urban settings who have got, say, flats or, um, you know, very compact spaces they're trying to grow in. You can get these uh, these setups which have artificial light to them. Yeah. And they have a, a, a heating reservoir, sorry, a heat element at the bottom, a water reservoir. It's a complete growing system. So they are more of an investment. But I think if you then work out what you're potentially spending on plug plants year on year because you maybe can't grow stuff from seed, it would very quickly pay for itself. Yeah, there's hydroponic setups that I've been Hmm. looking at and all kinds of things. It's it's quite interesting because when I first started gardening, about the same time as you, Lucy, um, LED technology was uh, the preserve of big commercial, the big commercial greenhouses and propagators yeah and the the technology was quite expensive and uh, even in the last 10 years the the prices have driven right down and there's some interesting setups there so even if you've got a small space you can grow a few things and I know we've been talking a lot about the edible sides obviously with Mm. Lucy and her veg experience but this also goes towards the ornamentals as well now is a great time to start off any perennial um, plants you'll find that not all of them require a heat element actually some of them will actually check the germination if they get too warm they actually mm. need what we call a stratification or, or a cold period to initiate the ge- germination is that so, back to your fridge again 
they go well you can use the fridge or yeah. if you've got just a little cold frame or a really great thing is a porch an unheated porch i know a lot mm. of people have these small porches at the front of the house that get quite cold an ideal place to put a seed tray with any perennials that require just a little bit of chilling before they germinate germinate but now mm. is a really good time to do that before the onslaught of the annuals and the veg get those started because eventually those can just be put in a corner just to get on with themselves um, but you want to get them germinated before uh, you get all the annual stuff germinated. Yeah, because there is a, um, like you say, with perennials, they can be quite slow to bulk up. Yeah. And slow to germinate. Uh, like you say, maybe they do have, like you say, this dorm- a lot of annuals don't have this dormancy mechanism mm. because they just grow one year and, and die. Perennials have evolved to have something to get them through the winter, which is why, as you say, a lot of them do need to be chilled. To, to, because then the plant that stimulates them to think, oh, hang on though, now my ter- my next step is to germinate in the spring. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and those plants, as you say, are slow to bulk up. Yeah, it's it's a good idea to get them sown early because there's a, there, a lot of seed companies now have this sort of like concept of um, first year flowering perennials, don't they? Because it's even yeah. you know in the industry it's known that they can take a little while to get going. But even the first year flowering perennials, you you know, sowing them early gives you a head start. Definitely. So. Get out, get out, do a bit of seed sowing this weekend or the next weekend. It's, you know, it's seed sowing time uh, and hopefully you'll get as much joy out of them as we do. That concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter is a natural time in the gardening calendar for reflection, adjustment and musing over new plans for warmer seasons ahead. So Lucy and I hope to inspire and educate with our thoughts. We'll also bring you interviews with some of the very best personalities our industry has to offer. We aim to dispel the myth that gardens, and therefore gardeners, slumber in winter. We promise that in this profession nothing could be further from the truth. As two enthusiastic and passionate head gardeners, winter is a busy season in our calendar. So let us help you keep one step ahead in this most marvellous and rewarding of careers. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.